0: the whole societal you should kinds of things. You should answer questions this way. This is how you should be for a hiring manager, right? And then six months, it's like, wow, I really, I don't like this job. How did I not notice all the things, right? This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you. Figure out what
1: does and make it happen.
0: We help you define the work that is unapologetically you and then go get it. If you feel like you were meant for more and you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott.
1: We get questions from clients all the time. Things like, how do I stand out in an interview? What do hiring managers actually want to know in this interview? But these questions, well, we're honored to be able to answer them I would argue that they're the wrong questions. Do you just want to stand out to stand out just to get a job? Or are you wanting to dig in and make sure this move is intentional and that it's the right fit for you? Interviews, as it turns out, are a two-way street. And the first interview is the foundation for setting up the future of your work there. So the true question is, how do I show up as myself in an interview? Because you don't know what they're going to ask, but there are many things you can do to prepare.
0: I don't want to show my cards too early in this, in this interview game. And I said, what if there's not a game? What if there's no game? What if we, there's no any, there's no game. There's no pretend game happening here. And you are just going to have a conversation.
1: In a moment, you'll hear my conversation with one of our team members here at HTYC, Megan Crawford. Megan is the perfect person to talk to about this topic because she was in talent acquisition and talent management for 13 years prior to becoming a career coach and long before we ever got to work with her. She's facilitated thousands of interviews and we were talking about that before we started recording and from my experience in HR and owning companies We figure that that puts our combined number of interviews to well over 5,000, maybe approaching 6,000. So we've got some serious interviewing experience under our belt. That's kind of crazy. Anyhow, we get to work with clients every day here at HTYC. And when we're preparing them for interviews, we noticed that they automatically make assumptions like the hiring manager is going to think this or they're going to want to know that. They're going to. Expect these certain qualifications. However, since you can never know exactly what an interviewer will ask, the best thing you can do is prepare to figure out if the job aligns with your definition of an ideal role. In the following conversation, you're going to hear how to prepare yourself in a way that allows you to walk into the interview, not just with confidence, but also to figure out if the role, if the organization is right for you, instead of trying to impress the interviewer. All right, here's Megan talking about some of the biggest misconceptions she hears all the time from people preparing for interviews.
0: The biggest question everyone wants to know is what do hiring managers want to hear? Or what what should I prepare for for the hiring manager? Yeah. You know, what what do they want to hear from me? As if it's just a hiring manager is one person and there are right answers across the board in, in an interview. Well, it's so it's basically like a
1: math test, right? Like 1 plus 1 test. obviously it's, equals 7.
0: Absolutely. And I think for for clients understanding that there's so many variables that we don't know about what that hiring manager and I always say hiring team yeah. It's very very rarely is it just this one singular person making the decision so thinking of it more broadly i think is a really good place to start you know it's a hiring team it's a group of people but i think people want to know how do i prepare for an interview how do i how do i answer the questions in an interview correctly <laughs> that's that's a main theme i hear from clients
1: so what do you find then and that's such an interesting And I've heard that over and over and over again throughout the years as well, that undertones of how do I do do this correctly? Mm -hmm. That's one way to think about it. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that I personally would advise that way to think about it and what you've already alluded to. Mm -hmm. What would be a different way to think about it? How do you think about this?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. How do I think about interviews I think they're conversations, even this right now. You're interviewing me, I'm a guest on a podcast, but really we're having a conversation. I think one of the biggest things that clients do is try to figure out what the other person's thinking. And so it creates so much noise in their head so they can't ask the questions that they want to ask. They can't even actually hear the answers to the questions they're asking. I'm sorry, did you ask a question? Out. Right, exactly, exactly. So I think of it as it's, it's got to be a conversation between two people and let's approach it, me showing up as myself, having a conversation.
1: Can I give you a compliment?
0: Of course. I mean, I'll take Probably. them all day
1: long. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> So I, I honestly don't know that I've told you this but I think that you're definitely one of the best conversationalists that I've met.
0: Wow. Well, thank you.
1: you I and I mean that. You're you're truly a phenomenal conversationalist. And I think that one of the reasons that you do so well in conversations is one because with the recruiting background and the other things that you've done over the years like you've you've had many many conversations in which you had to like show up and be uh, make the other party comfortable, and then also somehow achieve a result through that conversation too, at the same time. It wasn't just like conversation for conversation's sake, but so you've practiced it a lot. But the other thing I see you do constantly is instead of i, I don't I don't think I ever see you try to figure out what the other person is wanting, necessarily. I see you leaning into whatever direction the conversation goes. And I think you're really, really, really good at that.
0: Wow. Thank you. First of all, thank you. Yeah. I love being in conversation. Like this, where we are right now, Yep, it's, it's an amazing space. I have no idea where it's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. Me personally, but I don't, I think that sometimes clients in the absence of practice, let's say, or they haven't been comfortable in conversation, then that uncertainty is very uncomfortable, right?
1: Which can derail a conversation. Like if, if you and I are feeling incredibly uncertain, then yeah, like we just had tech issues not that long ago too, and I can feel my uncertainty rising, which destroys conversation for me.
0: Absolutely destroys conversation and specifically for interviews. If you, if we're trying to develop rapport, we're trying to build relationship and also kind of try to figure out if this is something I want to pursue or have another (laughs) conversation about, then we have to be open to the fact that we don't know the answers Mm that we have to just sort of be here to that idea of really being present right here. And I love this space of being present right here.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you this then. First of all, so with that reframe in mind, we're not talking about interviews anymore. Let's, let's throw away that word interview just for a moment and instead say, let's, re-ask the question, you know, what can you do to go into a conversation with a high level of confidence when you are in that space where you're looking to make a much more intentional change. Yeah. Let's talk about that. What yeah. what would you recommend? What can people do?
0: The the first place to start, the only place to start, in my opinion, is to know yourself. You have to start there. You have to know exactly, as much as you can, obviously, what your own narrative is, what your own story is. And that can be, if we're talking about, obviously, careers, that can be why you made the changes you made, what you learned along the way, what is the, what is the theme across that story, right? So knowing yourself is, I think, the only place to start.
1: Totally agreed. And if we're really digging to, I mean, earlier when I was talking about you being a great conversationalist, I think that that is probably a decent portion of why, because you're really comfortable in your own skin. At least that's what I've observed every interaction we've ever had in person over the internet, whatever. And that allows you to be able to respond and be excited about like where the, where the conversation is going to go. Like, where will it go? Oh my goodness. (laughs) So I think that, that you're good. You're good evidence of that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I and I I do feel that I haven't always been in that spot. Sure. And I know yeah. the haziness of not knowing yourself. I know what it feels like to go into conversation and be doing mental gymnastics, sort of in the back of your brain, wanting to figure out what that other person wants to hear. I know that feeling. So it does take practice. It does take some work to get there. But I think starting with knowing and digging into what is it? What is my story overarching, right? Like where what is my narrative? And then kind of moving into let's say conversation with this openness and this grounded foundational feeling, then think about it. I mean, you can you can listen so much better and be reacting to the other person's words mm. and their thoughts and their feelings instead of getting stuck so much in your head about, well, what do they want to hear, right?
1: What should I do next?
0: What should I do next? What should I and say? That, yeah, what should I say? Did you say something? The noise, I mean, right? <laughs> yeah, the noise can be overwhelming.
1: Okay, so here here's what I'm hearing from that then. There's, if we're breaking apart what you said, I totally agree with that let's see if we can identify how people can actually do those those things cuz i heard you talking about understanding yourself, understanding your career story and then really being able to focus on the conversation it, itself as opposed to like trying to impress the other people or trying to like come up with the right answers, right? so so let's start with the beginning part of that which really is about understanding yourself and specifically what you want. I would I would call this this area developing a deep understanding of what you want or developing a specific understanding of what you want. So how how do people actually do that when when we try to break it down? What do you think? Yeah.
0: I think when you if you turn it all on its head and you say, okay, I'm not going into conversation to be something or someone I think I should be, right? Mm -hmm. And you say, I'm going to intentionally show up to all conversations moving forward, whether it's in for a job or for building relationships, whatever. I'm just going to show up as myself. What, what, starting there, what is, what does it sound like when you talk, Mm -hmm. practicing, right? Like getting your, getting used to hearing your own voice, being comfortable with the fact that you don't have all of the answers, right? So it's the, this inner knowing, It's I think there's a fair amount of discovery that could happen in that. Like, what? how do I wanna show up to the world, right? What's my identity in the world? Knowing yourself there, and then moving to that second part of what do I want and need, right? Like what, so I know who I am, I know what I want and need coming to conversation with those two parts is really going to give you the confidence to have a deep, deep conversation. And I think preparing, or at least figuring those things out is a process. It's a process.
1: We use a tool internally called the ideal career profile. And that's, that's not what everyone has to do. Like if you're listening to this right now, you, you don't have to go create an ideal career profile. If we, if we just oversimplify what an ideal career profile is here for a moment, it's really a checklist of what you want and what you need at a minimum. Like that's, that's it. So my question to you is what's one thing that you found to be effective in helping people understand with a higher degree of specificity, what it is that they want?
0: Yeah, that's so good. I think people struggle with wanting something they should want, uh, yeah. right. That fits into, well, I've done this in the past. And so naturally I should want this thing next. Yep. And I say, no, let's go to, let's throw everything out and in a, in a, in a magical world. What is it that you actually want? So for me, the, those conversations typically go more granular right clients typically start out with like okay at minimum or even their ideals start out being something that they've already had right or that they think is within reach or they think that they should want next this sort of linear thinking yeah and i think that's that's normal i think that's very normal as a starting place but if we can go a layer deeper and kind of throw out that linear thinking and say boom, how does your, how do you, how do you actually want to show up in your day or your life? And what do you want? It's almost a repeating the question, if that makes sense, right? Like, <laughs> what do you want? Right. Yeah, And saying that to yourself, but do I actually want that? Sort of going a little bit deeper.
1: I think that's fascinating. And that's a tool that I've used for myself over and over again, too, to help expose some of those shoulds, which if you've read the Happen to Your Career book, like that's something we talk about in the chapter on what are the obstacles that we don't even know are stopping us, those shoulds, right? Stop, stop yeah. shooting on yourself. And if you go through and say, okay, well, I've written down this thing, or I've identified this thing, or, I, or I've articulated whatever it is that I think that I want, like I want to be an this is something that was in the past for me. I want to be an HR director in this type of organization. And then I go through and say, well, is that something that I actually want? And then start to yeah. find out that the answer is no, because what I actually want is some of the pieces I perceive are coming with that HR director in this type of organization. And that yeah. that was a real thing for me in the past. But what, what, if, what have you found then that helps people to... Assess that with that secondary asking of of why, like how can they make that work for them?
0: I have a good example. So, and I've I've heard this a fair amount over the years. I just Mm -hmm. want to open up a coffee shop, right? I'm I'm (laughs) positive that you've heard this also, right? And I would venture to say that nine times out of ten, if not ten times out of ten, it has nothing to do with the coffee shop because opening a coffee shop is actually quite difficult. But I will I will say to the client, there is something there. It's this spark. It's this like nugget of interest. What is it about the coffee shop that is interesting to you, right? What is it? What do you perceive in your words? What do you perceive... That this coffee shop will give you? Is it community? Is it being able to choose the products? Is it just having flexibility in your day? Is it literally the environment that you see in your brain and that you imagine is very welcoming? So taking those, you know, taking that spark of interest and saying, okay, most people will just say, I want to open a coffee shop and end it there and say, like, that's it. But I see that as like just the beginning of something that's there. I have a client who's interested in kayaking, right? Mm. And he'll talk about it and he loves it. And then he just leaves it kind of over there. And I say, but well, wait, <laughs> what is it about kayaking that is interesting to you, right? So maybe it's digging into the things and the areas that we feel drawn to and we're constantly thinking about. Is there something there?
1: You know what's fascinating about that? Um, I'm realizing as we're talking about this subject that one of the phenomenons that I've seen happen quite a bit, they, where people get latched on to like, I've always wanted to do this. And you just talked about the coffee shop. And I've definitely heard that many, many, many times over the years and actually known people that have gone and gone to the effort of opening up a coffee shop and then only to realize that it wasn't actually the coffee shop that they wanted. Mm-hmm. And but it shows up in other ways too. Like I've always wanted to be a doctor. I've always wanted to be insert the thing here. And whether people have actually explored that and gone and done the thing, or they've just continued to say like, that's something I've always wanted to do in either case. I think that there's an opportunity there to, uh, to learn from why to your point. Mm. Like what is it about that? I think that's the question that you said. What is it about that that is interesting to you? So I love that question. I've even written it down here so that we can use it in other places later. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Okay, so let's let's say that mm. you know people are doing a great job identifying what it is that they want and we're going to layer deeper to get a deep understanding of what we want and maybe even why we want it. But after that point, Let's say that I am wanting to practice this career story that you've mentioned. You mentioned earlier, like being comfortable with your narrative. How, how would I do that? How would I begin to get more comfortable with my narrative?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think the literal act, and I'm just thinking about this right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. I think the literal act of storytelling gives us the answers. Actually, trying to put it into maybe it's a ver- maybe it's the verbal story, right? And you could be talking to yourself, you could be recording yourself, whatever it is. But the literal act of just standing here, sitting there, telling your story—how often is it that you get to do that? Right? What is the whole story? Just say it. Say it out loud. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be the thing that you go into conversation with. But if we're never saying it out loud, then it's performative. And I, mm. I say no to being performative in an interview, full stop. So how do we get to this, the, the, the place of, of comfort and confidence? It's telling our story and, and just literally starting there out loud. I think storytelling is going to give you, give us, some of those answers of what, feel, what what feels good coming out of your mouth. <laughs> right?
1: So here's what I'm taking from that. Two things. Thing number one is that you have to actually tell the story to be able to then have the story be able to be received later on in any way yeah. that's going to be useful. Otherwise, it is going to come off as a performance, which is not going to come off as genuine, which is not going to resonate and likely not going to result in anything that's useful for you or whoever you might be interviewing with. The other thing that I'm taking too is attempting to put it into story form, attempting to tell the story and actually practicing that in any way whatsoever is going to be the most useful thing that you can do. Is that. Am I understanding that correctly?
0: Absolutely, it's the it's the thing that I do. I it, whether it's I start up in my head, whether I write it down, whatever sort of the modality is that you start to tell your story. But I mean, storytelling is literally is an ancient form of communication yeah. between humans it's you know the story of the organization that you're interested in the story of the people around you that's how we connect it's connective tissue for all of us and so knowing your own story you know why you made the decisions you made in your career and your life like have you ever sat down and figured out like well if i had the opportunity to tell my story what would it be and so yes practicing it telling it in any way, shape, or form that you feel comfortable, I think is a fantastic starting point.
1: Well, and there's a lot of story frameworks or methodologies out there, but if we would just want to be overly simplistic here for a second and say, okay, well, like pick any one of those, like all over the internet, people talk about like the star method and stuff like that. Totally. I'm less interested in the, in the method Uh, and you could talk about like, what's the situation, what's the conflict and what was, what was the thing that happened after the conflict? Or we'll talk a lot about SBO, which is like situation, behavior, and outcome. But at the end, it's all the same thing. Like what is taking this information and turning it into a way that it becomes relevant and interesting and useful to whoever it is that you are, you're talking to, right? So, so here's my question for you. What can people do as they're thinking about taking this information and making it relevant? How how can they actually practice the idea of turning it into a story? Because otherwise, we take a question that happens almost every interview, which is some form of tell me about yourself, right? It which is, isn't even yeah. a question. It's more of a command. But that's a whole nother podcast it's for another time.
0: Another podcast. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And but even with that type of question, no matter how it shows up. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people have the tendency to start, well, I was born in Oklahoma.
0: <laughs> I know. And
1: like, oh, <laughs> and Four th-
0: hours later. <laughs>
1: yep. And that, that's not necessarily useful or relevant. So not, what advice no. would you give to somebody who's thinking about how do I take this information and make it relevant in a form of a story, that type of communication that you're talking about?
0: Yeah. So I, for career specifically, I would break it down to each of your experiences mm-hmm. and, and and treat each experience as as a mini story, right? If we're going to simplify and we're going to just totally get it down to bare, bare basics, what were you hired to do in this specific job opportunity, this spot, right? What were you hired to do? Answer that question. And sort of go down that thought process of like, okay, in the beginning, I was hired to do this thing. And then, okay, well, did you do the thing? How did you do the thing? And then what sort of, what was the thread that pulled you to the next thing? If we start to like connect them as not as these little mini stories that there were as a connective tissue, there was a, a little story of why you jumped to the next thing, right? Because I think if you start with, I I have to showcase all of my accomplishments and my achievements, it's like, okay, but this was all. There, there were things within those little stories that were challenging. There were things that were mm. imperfect. It's not all gonna be this pretty tied in a bow. So let's get to that. What? Why were you hired to do this? Why did you make the moves that you did? And start to answer those questions for yourself, not in a performative way to sort of anticipate what the interviewer wants to hear.
1: One of the concepts that you're making me think of that has to do with, let's call it relevant storytelling. We're just going to make that up and call it, no, that's not what it's I like it. relevant storytelling. It's yeah, 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 yeah. But I found in, it's taught a lot of times in marketing. Sometimes it will show up in various different areas of marketing, whether it is people who do copywriting for a living, or if you're trying to communicate a particular message and create interest, which that's sort of what you're doing in interviews. It want, you want it to be organic. You want it to be a conversation. But also to your point, if you have practiced your story and have an understanding of your narrative, then you can command interest in a way that you're communicating it where it's useful to the other party. And one of those techniques for that is thinking about it like what led me up to here? Yeah. What is it that led me up to here? And that helps to think about like what is actually relevant? Well, what are the parts that led me to whatever it is that we're talking about. What are the parts that led me to be in front of you talking about this role that we're now both considering? You're considering me and I'm considering taking this and working with you all. And I found that to be really very useful because it helps to push away the things that are less relevant.
0: I think that brings up an interesting idea that if you can really know and understand this relevant Uh story that is yours, then In any conversation, in any interview, let's say, you'll, you'll, you'll have the information to answer any, any question that comes up because you know the story, Mm. you know, the framework, you know, the structure, you know, the reasons why things changed, the trajectory, you know, all of those things. And so any questions, I think you'll be able to find the answer in that story.
1: As humans, we sort of think about, okay, well, how, how, logically, how do I prepare for an interview? And we think, well, let's find out the questions and let's prepare for those answers. And yeah. that is a very humanistic type of thinking. That's how our brains work. It's very, it use the word linear thinking, like it's, it draws upon what we know and how things work. And it turns out that's not actually how it works. That's a terrible way. Like that's a, possibly the worst way to prepare for an interview because yeah. that is The part of logic that we fail to think about at that point in time is that that requires us to know 100% of the questions in order to effectively prepare. And what I hear you describing is a far more effective way to prepare where let's be very comfortable with us and our experiences and let's be experts on us and how we share those experiences. And then we can adapt those experiences or those stories to anything that somebody throws at us. And here's what's really cool about this, if you're going down that methodology, is that if, you, if you're able to share an actual story, even though they're saying like, hey, what would you do? What would you do if you found yourself in this situation? It's so much more credible if you can say, well, I don't know what I would do, but let me tell you what I actually did in yeah. a real situation that was similar to that. How, can I tell you that story? And they're going to be like, yeah, of course.
0: Of course, because we're humans and we actually gravitate to to the specific story Mm. versus the abstract what ifs, right? And I actually have a client in real time who we had an interview prep conversation last week and she had her interviews yesterday and she came to the interview prep session actually talking about, okay, this was her line of thinking. Okay, I think they're gonna ask around these questions. And I'm I'm watching her and I saw her body change into like rigid. She was very rigid. And I said, What's happening? Why are you what is going on? And she said, Well, I'm, I don't wanna show my cards too early in this, in this interview game. And I said, What if there's not a game? What if there's no game? What if we There's no any, there's no game. There's no pretend game happening here. And you are just going to have a conversation. And she relaxed. And I asked her, we talked about mental gymnastics, but she said, I do these mental calculations in my brain, trying to figure out what they're going to ask me. And I said, how do you listen (laughs) to the answer? (laughs) There's all these things happening. Listen. And so anyway, long story short, she gave me the recap. Yeah. This morning. And she said she showed up as her authentic self. She was just all in on the conversation. And she has learned so much more about the organization. And was she was less worried about showcasing all of her achievements that ticked all the boxes on the job description. So it's exciting. It's exciting when people can get to that point.
1: You know what I think is really cool about that? When you cross over and you're no longer trying to think about it as like convincing or playing the game or whatever else, then it allows you to be able to be in a mind space that is, one, it feels better. Two, it's actually a healthier way because like, let's say that you decide this actually isn't that great of a fit, then then that's okay. Or if they decide it's actually not that great of a fit, then you're in a different place to be able to be responsive to that versus being crushed by the news. Like, but I spent all this time like convincing that I did a great job. It's it's just a different place to operate from. And I, I think that although what you described from our client is normal, it is human, it is something that we see every single day. You know, people showing up saying, hey, I'm playing some form of mental gymnastics or I'm like thinking about what I should do next or whatever else. Although that is normal it feels very very different drastically different in every yeah. way and more importantly you said it's important to show up as as who you actually are and this is what allows that functionally
0: yeah absolutely i think what came into my brain is absolutely showing up to the interview as yourself in order to even be able to assess fit one way or the other right yeah yeah. but then beyond that if you, let's say everything goes fantastically and you, you land this gig, it's your job, it's the thing, but you didn't show up as yourself in the interview, how are you going to then show up as yourself in the actual job? It's like you have to set the precedent that you are yourself, right? So that you can show up as yourself in the actual job. They're not two different people, interviewing person and working person right? You have to show up today in this interview. This is me. This is who I am so that you can continue on being yourself in a really healthy way in the actual job.
1: This is, okay. So this is, I think actually a fundamental misunderstanding. And, and I've always thought about this, this idea of showing up and being yourself so that you can then continue to be yourself. i thought about that if we go back 20 years ago, I thought about that as sort of common sense. Turns out it's, there's a lot of misinformation, good intentioned, well-intentioned misinformation out there on the internet about how to prepare for interviews. And I think none of the tactical pieces actually matter unless you can perform that one thing, unless you can show up to the interview being yourself, because otherwise they hire the wrong person. It's and that is, person. yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's they literally hired a different person. And then we're all shocked when you show up on day one and week one, and they're <laughs> upset, like they're upset, they thought they hired a different person. And then our yeah. response, be just being human, is that, well, they didn't tell me about, they didn't tell me about like, it would be like this, or it's very different than than what was I was told during the interviews. Well, they were interviewing a different person. They had a different interaction. They had like, and then we're all surprised. Like everyone in the equation is surprised by this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's and, and it doesn't surprise me when six months in people are unhappy in their jobs uh-huh. when they just go through the interview process in a performative way the the whole societal you should kinds of things you should answer questions this way this is how you should be for a hiring manager right and then six months it's like wow I really I don't like this job well, how did I not notice this, all the things right because yeah. you you didn't you didn't come to the original conversation telling your story and you didn't analyze or assess if your story and what your wants and needs are sort of match, you know, what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
1: Okay, so if we were to say, let's take all of these pieces that we've talked about, because we've ta- we've covered three pretty big areas. We've talked about developing the deepest understanding of what you want. We've talked about practicing telling your career story out loud to real people in story form we've talked about the idea of stop convincing you know look at this as we didn't use the word exploratory but let's let's focus on exploring instead and and interviewing going both ways and you know, let's have an actual natural engagement a conversation dare i say and you know it those are three pretty big areas but what would be the biggest mindset shift people could have that could help prep the to be able to do these three things. What do you think?
0: The biggest mindset shift, I think, is that there's actually no way anyone can know what a hiring manager wants to hear or what questions they're going to ask you. You can't know how they're going to assess you even, even based on your answers. You cannot know those variables. The only thing that you can know is yourself. So stay there.
1: (laughs) Hey, if you've been thinking about making a change for a while now, and you don't really know how to best take the first step or get started, here's what I would suggest. Just open your email app on your phone right now. And I'm going to give you my personal email address, scott at happentoyourcareer.com. Just email me and put conversation in the subject line. Tell me a little bit about your situation and I'll connect you with the right person on our team where we can figure out the very best way that we can help you. Scott at com. Drop me an email. Here's a sneak peek into what we have coming up in store for you next week.
0: It was supposed to be hiring someone that I would supervise, but ended up being hiring Uh, a new supervisor for me, which was kind of strange and kind of awkward and (laughs) didn't feel all that great.
1: You've probably had this happen before. You're working in a role for a while and then you get a new boss. And many times (laughs) a change comes. A lot of times it might be an unwanted change. You wonder if things are going to get better. Maybe things will get worse. What's going to happen? You don't know. What doesn't usually happen, though, is that when you get a new boss, you end up taking the role that your boss previously had. This can actually be a really awkward situation, but it can also be one of the best things that could possibly happen. All that and plenty more next week, right here on Happen to Your Career. Make sure that you don't miss it. And if you haven't already, click subscribe on your podcast player so that you can download this podcast in your sleep and you get it automatically even the bonus episodes every single week, sometimes multiple times a week until next week. Adios. I'm out.